Looking for a new high-end mascara without breaking the bank? The new L'Oreal Paris Panorama Mascara gives you a high-end lash look in a premium gold luxe packaging. It's all about panoramic volume and fully fanned out lashes. With its tapered brush, the new Panorama Mascara catches every single lash, giving you the false lash look without any of the hassle. Say goodbye to clumps and flakes, because this mascara is specially formulated to resist them all day with up to 24-hour wear. And the best part? It performs better than Lux mascaras at only a fraction of the cost. You can buy Panorama Mascara on Amazon today. Getting the smile and confidence you've been dreaming about all from the comfort of your home isn't a total mystery with Bite Clear Aligners. Just don't be surprised if all your friends start asking, what's your secret? Begin by ordering your at-home impression kit today for only $14.95. Bite Clear Aligners are doctor-directed and delivered to your door. Treatment costs thousands less than braces, plus they offer flexible financing, accept eligible insurance, and you can pay with your HSA FSA. Get 80% off your impression kit when you use code WONDERY at Byte.com. That's B-Y-T-E dot Start your confidence journey today with Byte. Hello, hello, hello. I'm your Hamburger Mary's hostess with the mostest, Michael Munoz. And welcome to In Yo Mouth! In Yo Mouth. I'm the queen of food who's always in the mood. To lick it right, lick it good, show you how to... Oh, God, that's good. I want to know what you eat from the streets to the sheets. So open wide, honey. I'm coming. In Yo Hey there and welcome back, folks. Once again, I'm your hostess with the most, this Munoz. And how y'all doing? Let me tell you something. I had to go to the doctor the other day because I'm having some like crazy eye issue, of course, like because why not? It's 2020 and what else can go wrong or everything that is going wrong can't is going wrong. And um they put me on the scale, and lo and behold, the people in my elevator were right. She's gained some weight. So now, <laughs> now I, I am, you know, I'm following like this basic trend of like, you know, um, hiring Instagram trainers to send me workouts and diets. So now I'm eating so much food in an eight-hour period, I can't even handle it. Um, it's, it's a lot of change. It's a lot of working out all of a sudden. But let me tell you something. My clothes will fit by the time I'm 40 because I think it's something like 76 days. I should check these things before I come on this podcast. But it's like 76 days till I'm 40, folks. 76 days and the countdown continues. The countdown continues. Well, this week on the pod is like no other week because I am super excited because the gay liberties keep coming and coming and coming again. It is like... One of those, like, well, you know what? Let me not even make a reference here. <laughs> but I am so excited to welcome the one, the only, Jeremy Solomon to In Your Mouth. Hey, Jeremy. Hi. How are you? I'm doing fabulous. How are you? I am great. In Your Mouth listeners, while, while you're, you know, passively listening to the podcast, as long as you're not driving... Take it to Instagram and go to at Jeremy Cooks and see 
the cuteness that is, look at the face, just look at the beautiful face, right? Admire the things, like the things, you know, slide into the DMs if you want. Because <laughs> it's not bad. Jeremy, I, I keep saying um, over the past weeks, and maybe it's only because I'm stuck here in 120 square feet in Times Square, right? But now I feel like this podcast has just turned into like virtual dating with the, with the gay <laughs> food community for me. <laughs> I mean, you know, people are just stuck at home and have, you know, really nothing to do. So it's, it's the only, the only way to, to communicate is just by dating, I guess. You, know? you, you heard it here first. He, he didn't object folks out there. <laughs> well, all, of sudden, all of a sudden we find out Jeremy has a husband or a man and there's like a knock at the door. I actually, well, I do. I was just about to say. <laughs> Listen, I don't need anybody's husband coming to knock on my door. Uh, <laughs> it is all just fun and games here. But before we do anything or go any further, Jeremy, in the grand tradition of In Yo Mouth, I would love to wish you happy National Pumpkin Cheesecake Day. Oh my gosh. Wow, that's so random. <laughs> Well, is it actually? I don't know. We're in October, so that makes sense. It it, it does, right? And yeah. to that, I say thank you for being a friend. <laughs> and back again. Yeah, well, that's all we can do. We don't have the rights. Well, I don't okay. have the rights nor the money. To okay, never mind. <laughs> um, pumpkin yeah. cheesecake day. Um, you know the Cheesecake Factory. You know they have a great they have a great pumpkin cheesecake. I mean, I used to bring that whole thing home, actually. My, my mom used to do that. I uh, find that really interesting coming from um, a celebrated chef like yourself. Um, that like you would reference like a major chain cheesecake as opposed to like, you know, a, a Dory Greenspan. Does Dory Greenspan make cheesecakes? Or, um, she or probably some, does. Yeah, she yeah. probably does, right? Yeah. Um, shout out to you, Dory Greenspan. I love yeah. you. <laughs> Um, yeah, no, I mean, I, listen, I grew up in Boca Raton, Florida, um, like where the Altacacas, basically where the Golden Girls, you know. Yeah. What'd you There's call me? Altacaca? <laughs> yeah, you know, just like, you know. Yentas, old women, lots of Jewish old women. And, uh, you know, there's nothing but cheesecake factories and, and chilies and Maggiano's and all these big chains. And uh, I grew up on that. So, um, I mean, my mom cooked at home a lot. She was a good cook. I should, she'd want me to say that. But, but yeah, she brought, but we took out from the cheesecake factory quite a lot. I love that. Altacaca is uh, Yiddish for grandma or... Altacaca is, yeah, I would say it's Yiddish for like old people. Oh, okay. Yeah, look like look at that. You learn something every day. We are here to educate the people, Jeremy. So that is the word of the day. Use it, don't abuse it. Altacaca <laughs> <laughs> on this National Pumpkin Cheesecake Day. Do you have a yeah. good uh, pumpkin cheesecake or, or a good cheesecake recipe? Um, Yeah, I would say I don't usually like flavor my cheesecakes. Um, I, I like a simple, you know, classic cheesecake. So yeah, I do have a pretty good recipe, but actually I kind of stole it from Ina Garden. I mean, who else? Yes, um, yes but if the cheese didn't come from the, the milk of baby calves that were cradled by sure. their mothers, it's not Ina Garden cheesecake. Yeah. Um, 
Yeah, no, I, I, I mean, I love Vina Garden. I like, I, I kind of like base a lot of my recipes from her only because she's so, um, she tests everything to the T. Like she is like probably one of the, I mean, I'm just, I'm shouting out to her because I love her so much. I actually have like a saint candle, a Vina Garden. And like, well, well, she's a big fan of the podcast. Oh, really? Yes, yeah. not at all. <laughs> no, no, we have to will it into existence. Well, you, know? you know what? Uh, I was just about to say, uh, watch watch me like get a, a, a DM from behind the garden being like, uh, bitch, I listen to you and I love you. <laughs> I mean, it would make 2020, you know, just so great because, you know, we can really go up from there. It would, it would. Well, um, I also have a cheesecake recipe that I never make anymore, but it's from my mother's friend, Kay, who has um, passed on uh, a long time ago. And it is probably the most delicious cheesecake I have ever tasted or made in my life. It is my go-to period.com because it looks like one of those cheesecakes that you can like spackle the walls with, you know, like really dense, really, really thick, but something about it and something about the process makes it so airy and light and fluffy. You're like, how is something this thick? So light and fluffy. (laughs) Yeah as, yeah, as as Jeremy blushes on the other side of the cake. <laughs> Are we still talking about cheesecake? Yeah, are we talking about the same thing? I don't. Um, yeah, no, getting like that perfect cheesecake is uh, is difficult. But I and I feel like the best recipes in general, not just cheesecake recipes, are ones that are handed down, come from other people. It's like you know, it's it's been through tough times, been through good times, and I think that's helped. Uh, kind of make the perfect perfect recipe right yeah and like why not flavor it pumpkin right and jo- and just join the trend uh, yeah. on on this national pumpkin cheesecake day but moving right along in calling upon the gay voices of the past did you know on this day in our gay history our lgbtq history in 1979 the new york times reports that 18 boxes of recently unsealed correspondence between eleanor roosevelt and american journalist lorena hickok will be the subject of a forthcoming book by doris faber or faber did you know uh ellen eleanor roosevelt was having like major uh uh, lesbianic lesbian affairs with uh, yes of course, I have heard of this. Yeah, I just educated my mother on this the other day. She was she was floored. Yeah, I um, I mean, I, I mean, yeah. Have you looked at the woman? I mean, yeah, definitely lesbian. <laughs> um, sorry. <laughs> but, well, you know what? She she was a beautiful lesbian woman. She was. Yeah. No, gorgeous. Um, gorgeous all around. Um, but no, I did not, um, I mean, knew she was a lesbian, but I didn't know about this. So thanks for educating me. Yeah. And you know what? Shout out to you, Eleanor Roosevelt, for, you know, living, living your dreams, you know, and being the, our first lesbian, perhaps, uh, first lady. Again, will it into existence, you know? Maybe. Or maybe she identified as bisexual. (laughs) Shout out to all the bisexuals out there, you know? Good for for you, Ellie Roosevelt. (laughs) Can I call you that? Probably not. <laughs> love, 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 love. Oh my God. In your mouth, listeners. Um, if you didn't know, uh, Jeremy has been already been laying us uh or giving us all the all the cooking knowledge, right? And Jeremy, 
um, was a major chef at some major uh, New York City restaurants, FYI. And he started, you know, he started his culinary journey. That some say at nine, I've been reading. And then you started a blog at 13. And then... You went to the Culinary Institute of America, CIA, right? Just like last week, our friends uh, from How to Feed a Loon, uh, Chris Longwell was a CIA alum, but he just did the fast track, like the week long. He didn't do what you did. But you worked in uh, such New York kitchens as Le Comte de Verde, Bouvet, and Prune. And then you ended up becoming the head chef at the Eddie Amazing, amazing. I I want to say you're my first. I've had a lot of LGBTQ um, chefs on the pod, but I don't think I've had like uh, a head chef at a major establishment um, such as the Eddie. Uh, a lot of like our queer chefs on the pod have like just been doing their dipping and doing their own thing these yeah. days. So so that's really incredible. What do you think? Uh, gay chefs or queer chefs are really hard to come by? Yeah, you know, it's, I think it's such an interesting, um, it's it's weird. And I've thought about this a lot. And I've talked about this with a lot of people because the culinary world, especially the restaurant industry is such a, um, a haven, a safe place for, for like, you know, misfits. I'm putting quotation marks around that. Um, you know, people, who don't identify with, you know, the norms of society. And I think that's what it was like, you know, you know, 20, 30, 40, 50 years ago. And I think in some ways it's still, it still is that way. Um, but uh, coming up in kitchens there, I mean, I met a lot of gay, you know, queer, uh, even transgender chefs, but nobody was out. It was a lot of closeted, you know, folks that, you know, we're afraid of, of coming out in a kitchen, you know, that would, that's predominantly male, it's male dominated. Um, and, you know, people used to tell me like, oh, well, that's so gay that you're cooking, you know? And I was like, well, is it? I mean, I cook in a hot steamy kitchen with a bunch of grown men, <laughs> you know? Sounds like a, sounds like a perfect Friday night to me. Right, right, <laughs> it does. And I just, so I would always scratch my head because, you know, you'd get people that were saying, oh, that's that's so gay of you that you're doing that. But then you, I would go to work and I'd be in the, I'd be working on the line and just have, you know, these hot headed, you know, screaming chefs, um, you know, just kind of yelling at you and, and putting their pants on. And, and it's like, well, I don't, is that, is that, that's pretty like mask, you know, toxic masculinity. That's pretty straight. So I don't know what's going on. I was, you bring up, you bring up a a really interesting, uh, point here in the fact that like, uh, people were saying to you, oh my God, that's so gay that you're cooking. Right. But unknowing that, the the environment, the work environment in professional kitchens is mostly male dominated, dominated and very hyper masculine. But then on top of it, um, shaming, shaming you because they just put you into that like Susie homemaker box, which is also problematic because housewives and Miss Su- Susie homemaker back in the day when that's like that was the job that you had was not easy, like, you know, running a household and 
and making the meals and planning the meals and budgeting and because people yeah. didn't have money, you know? So I, I mean, that's a really interesting twofold point you bring up here. Yeah, I mean, you know, they say whoever, oh, I'm trying to make like a punny thing here, but it's, you know, they say whoever brings the bread home, whoever's the bread winner, but it's really who's the bread maker. And I think that's, I think that's really true. I mean, you know, my, my mom, she cooked the meals. She did have a job. She's a teacher, but she cooked the meals and she kind of wore the pants in the family. So, um, you know, so it was, it was very, it was very much a, a, a woman run family. And, and, you know, and then when I went to a work in a kitchen, just a bunch of, you know, just a bunch of men running it, you know, running it. So it was very, it was very conflicting uh, yeah. messaging. Yeah. And uh, you, once again, kind of relating to you, my parents divorced when I was like 13. So my mother mm-hmm. just not only went to work, but made sure we had food on the table and cooked the meals yeah. and like, and brought the bacon home um, both ways, you know, <laughs> just right. running the household to keep the kids like, fed and and clothed and in good schools my mother took out loans for me to go to school like so i mean that's some badass stuff right there yes mama yes right? mama <laughs> you know what i mean so i i mean it's it's an insane world and an insane environment and i uh, i in reading about you and seeing your story i was like Oh, I wonder if this is why people call me a top in the kitchen. <laughs> because if someone else is cooking and I'm there, I can't leave well enough alone. Yeah. <laughs> I can't we and I'm like you're doing that wrong. Why are you doing that? You're sure you're going to do this, right? <laughs> I think in working in hospitality now, never working behind the line but always um front of the house managing and always like helping plate in the back if there's like some big party or something seeing that environment and being in that environment um kind of you know produced that in me as like someone uh that's a home trained cook that's maybe a little bit more beyond a home trained cook but not professionally you know so with that said are you a top or bottom in the kitchen <laughs> You know, um, I would say I'm I'm versed in the kitchen. Yes, because <laughs> that's the only way to be in the kitchen. That that's true. Um, I think, and I it's funny that you bring this up because I I have always felt like um, not that I identify people as top or bottoms in the kitchen. Um, <laughs> although my best friend uh, might say otherwise, um, we uh, but. I feel like the kitchen, especially when you're working in such close quarters with people um, for long hours, you know, you really get to tell what a person is is like, you know, by just by cooking with them. You may not be saying anything. Uh, you may just be like chopping, you know, some vegetables next to them. But I feel like the kitchen is such, such a, uh, a place of uh, self-expression. Um and it, I think it's almost the best environment to learn about somebody, um, whether they're top or bottom. <laughs> but using that, you know, I think it's like, um, I really, I feel like if we all just cooked with each other, <laughs> I feel like we would really, 
you know, learn more. Um, I, 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 now I, now I don't know if we're actually talking about the kitchen or not I know. Know because of no, this no, one. No, I'm only kidding. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, I love that. But how, I mean, how did you end up breaking through, through the noise and through the void and through the stigma of being a gay man in the kitchen and coming into your own as like head chef? Yeah, I, well, it certainly was a long journey, uh, tumultuous, and, um, and I, you know, growing up in, in kitchens, I, I mean, my first job, I was, I, my grandmother actually got it for me. I was, uh, she was, she belonged to like a country club and she had very regal grandmother. Uh, and she like flagged the chef down and was like, my, my grandson really wants to learn uh, how to cook, blah, blah, blah. One thing led to another. I got this like job on the weekends and I would, they shoved me, they gave me a, um, a freezer jacket and shoved me into the freezer for like two hours. And I would have to scoop martini glasses with a, uh, like three different sorbets. Um, and I think I just, I, I learned to keep to myself. I didn't really say much of anything, um, coming up in kitchens. Um, I was just taught to put my head down and I think at a certain point, maybe when I was like 16 or 17, I got really annoyed by that. I, I was just why, like, why is everybody, so quiet why you know we're, we're here for sometimes 15 hours a day and which is completely unhealthy and really needs to be looked at <laughs> um but you know i feel like we you know we really need to again we need to like be able to express ourselves in our workplace um be you know be who we are and i was just really fed up with that so i just started you know i would sing i started singing i would dance i would get to know the you know my colleagues better um both inside and outside the kitchen and yeah I just I kind of hit like a breaking point where it's like I can't you know I can't shut up and and not say anything for the rest of my life you know during in my job it's just that's not who I am so um so yeah I think uh it it was it was difficult for for sure and then when I came out um to my colleagues um it was surprisingly, everyone was really supportive. Um, you know, I, I, I guess I just had this engraved in my brain that people were just going to be very, you know, not accepting. And, um, and it seemed to be the complete opposite. So, um, yeah. Yeah. Uh, uh, talk about a second coming out. Um, yeah. Right. Because that's, that can be really, really difficult in some kitchens, as I know, because mm. uh, much like you, I've been in and out of many a kitchen in uh, this city, one very close to Locanda Verde. And uh, a shout out to you, Bob De Niro. Um, and <laughs> I was like, why do I know that name? And I was yeah. like, oh, yeah, uh, Robert De Niro. Um, and so, but it sounds like, um, a mix of discipline and authenticity is really what made you rise to the top, you yeah. know? Um, and there's and there's something to be said about that as well, because I feel like these days, the younger generation, uh, a lot of parents, right? I'm not making a, I'm not saying all parents here, but a lot of parents, like the, that sort of discipline that your grandmother kind of uh, 
kind of afforded you, you know, like you want to do this? Well, you're going to have to spend two hours in a freezer scooping ice cream. Or I watched your CBS This Morning interview where you said you were started out peeling potatoes all day long. Right. And that's how you start. And that, but there's, there's a discipline in that. And there's, um, there's a work ethic created in that. And then through that work ethic, um, being authentically you seems Mm -hmm. to have made you shine to be the best like chef that you, uh, that you are. Yeah. Well, well, thank you. Yeah. I, um, I mean, even when I was, uh, when I was the chef of uh, the Eddie, I encouraged, you know, everybody to, to most importantly be themselves, um, you know, to talk about issues and problems when they first come up. Um, you know, however, you know, I wanted, you know, everyone should just feel as comfortable as possible, but because I feel that that produces the best work, you know, that, um, and I mean, it's a cliche, but, you know, a happy chef, delicious food, you know, that kind of, that kind of thing, you know, the love, the love is there. It's, I know it's such a cheesy thing to say, but, but it really is. It's, um, you know, if you get an angry cook, you know, an angry chef, you know, making your food, you know, it's not that you can taste it, but, you know, you're going to have a bad experience, you know, there might be a bad experience ahead of you. So, um, and, and I think we've both dealt with a lot of angry chefs. I have had uh, major bowls thrown at me, uh, plates put in the salamander so I can grab them when they're like really, really hot. Right. Um, the pans thrown across the room, all sorts of things. Um, right. Uh, it's like the, uh, the quintessential toxic, uh, kitchen environment that, you know, the real world, like, you know, the front of the house never sees, right. Mm -hmm. Everything, everything comes out perfect, but like sure. this, this thing that it has been changing. I've, I've actively seen people uh, work to change that environment back mm-hmm. there, you know, um, over the years. But it's, it, it's a crazy, the kitchen is a crazy place. Gay, straight, or however you identify. No matter what, it's always going to be crazy. It's always going to be hot. <laughs> um and uh, it's always going to be chaotic. I mean, even in, you know, the most renowned kitchens in the world that, you know, they use their tweezers and it's very silent. There's chaos in that. It doesn't, it's just, if you're going to go into this profession, you have to accept that. Um, and it's a, it's a tough reality to face, but um, once you get past it, it's great. <laughs> so. Yeah. <laughs> yes, indeed. And I can't wait to talk about what is next on the plate for you. You see what I did there? (laughs) But speaking about things hot in the kitchen, I would love to put Jeremy in a little bit of the hot seat and take him to our favorite part, you know, my favorite part and your favorite part of In Your Mouth, a little something we like to call, Jeremy, Food News Update. Food News. Oh, honey, you ain't ready, girl. Spill the tea. A Chicago bakery is making cakes meant for you to smash during election season. Oh, okay. Yeah. 
can I get their number? <laughs> yeah, well, I will gladly give it to you. So yeah. uh, for those of you out there that don't know, Smash Cakes have been very, very popular uh, with, you know, babies. Like on baby's first birthday, they get a real cake and then they get a cake that the baby can smash and sit in and do all the things. So you get all the Instagram content and waste all the cake, <laughs> so on and so forth. But it's like super cute. So um, this Chicago bakery is selling Go Vote Smash Cakes for those who need a little something to help take the edge off this election season. And we really haven't talked about election season here very much, uh, Jeremy. So thank you to Delish.com, not a sponsor for this article. So this... Um, this bakery, uh, the West Town Bakery in Chicago, uh, is making the cakes in two versions with images of either uh, number 45 or the vice president, Mike Pence, and the fly from the recent uh, vice presidential debate. The cakes are vanilla with vanilla frosting and are four inches in diameter. um, So no good if you're a size queen. Uh, And they feature sprinkles and icing for extra smashing pleasure and have smash me written on the side of that cute okay yeah i'll order one (laughs) yeah how do you write a smash cake just to take out your aggressions yeah and then you know i would i'll sit in it and like (laughs) have your boyfriend uh, have your boyfriend husband partner eat it (laughs) yeah that'd be great i mean like really like i I mean i'm into it sold definitely give new definition to eating cake Um, I will never, I mean, why would I spend, I don't know. I mean, like having my baby smash a cake. I mean, my baby can just eat the cake, you know, like (laughs) smash a cake and then eat it. Why have a separate cake? I mean, I guess two cakes are better than one. (laughs) Uh, Well, in my book, always. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) A portion of the proceeds from the cakes, which they go about, they go for about $15 each, will benefit the ACLU of Illinois 2020 election, Let the People Vote campaign. This campaign is helping voters in Illinois get access to voting by mail amid the ongoing COVID-19 pandemic. Uh, West Town Bakery's website, website, shout out to you, um, says that you can order these smash cakes 72 hours in advance. I don't know if they deliver abroad, but um, but they sure are delivering cakes. Insert dad joke. <laughs> I am here for this, uh, and it looks like you are too, Jeremy. Del Monte sells pink pineapples, and we know how you can get your hands on one. Well, at least I know how you can get your hands on one. Have you seen a pink pineapple before? I've only seen a picture of it, you know, on social media. Oh, so you're so you're well in the know. Oh yeah, uh, yeah. I guess that makes me an expert. <laughs> Well, I picked this because if you take the pineapple off, like the rind or the skin off the pineapple, and you cut it up, it looks like chunks of ham. (laughs) But does it taste like anything? Have you had one? I I haven't had one because I need to order one online. But were you privy to like the, the pineapple ham trend that was happening? Like cooking pineapple, like, and making it like a spiral ham? And like... In like the 60s? (laughs) No, it happened. I want to say it happened not that long ago, like maybe like six months ago. Really? Yeah. Okay, no, I never, I've never heard of this trend. Yeah. And then all of a sudden, now we have a, now we have a pink pineapple, which I also couldn't, um, 
find if it was like genetically made or just grows in Costa Rica where they're from. Hmm. You know? This Interesting. Sounds- this sounds like genetics. It does. It does. Work. It does. Yeah. Well, Del Monte's pink glow, pink glow. I can't talk today. Del Monte's pink glow pineapple is here, and the fruit is grown in the Costa Rican jungle, and it is unique to the market, meaning you really can't find something as sweet or colorful from any other brand. It's so special, in fact, that you won't even be able to find it in grocery stores. You have to order it online from pinkglowpineapple.com. That's, try saying that five times. Pink glow pineapple, pink glow. That's, that's a tongue twister. Huh. And they're $50. Oh, okay. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> sure. <laughs> I mean, well, you do work at some pretty fancy places. Uh, so, I mean, a $50 pineapple really isn't off the table here. Let's be honest. <laughs> um. It's off the table for me. <laughs> Let's. I'm gonna go on record saying that's off. That's off for me. Jeremy basically said, "Yeah, um, calling all the basic bitches. Uh, yeah. <laughs> Get your pink glowing pineapple. Yeah, basic." <laughs> Well, you know what? If um, if if Del Monte is here to send us one, uh, you and I can do a live tasting on camera, and and give honest reactions. But it doesn't seem like you or I uh, are spending fifty dollars on um, pink pineapples. The Food Network is releasing a show hosted by Kristen Chenoweth that's inspired by Candyland, the board game. Oh, okay. Well, love anything with Kristen Chenoweth, so sold. <laughs> Why do you think the gay, the LGBT community really like stands Kristen Chenoweth? I don't know. She's like, I don't know. She's short and she has a great voice. I mean, <laughs> that seems to you be know, like things that we love. I don't know. Yeah, I'm on the fence. I mean, I've met her before. She's lovely. I have nothing bad to say, but I'm just like. Mm, I, I don't. I I don't know. I don't know how I feel about Kristen Chenoweth. Like I, I certainly have no hate for. You know, I'm all love these days. I just what I'm saying is I don't think I'm like standing as the okay. Candidate these days, okay. You know? Yeah, that's all right. I mean, am I allowed to say that? Just pivoting to the Food Network. I mean, am, am I allowed to say that I feel like that's kind of like gay baiting? I mean, <laughs> Chenoweth hosting a show based off of Candyland. I mean, that just feels like, you know. Well, honey, uh, t- tell the children because you're an insider um, being a judge on Mr. Beat Bobby Flay. Yeah, well, you know, uh, <laughs> well, there you go. I guess I was, you know, I was the only gay man on the judges panel. So therefore I'm the gay bait <laughs> to bring you into Beat Bobby Flay. So they're doing it, I think. I, I guess, I guess so. And listen, I am the, I am the gay food, uh, the, the Andy Cohen of food over here. So, you know, yeah. Um, yeah. I, and I am just gay baiting people onto my gay, no, I'm not doing it. <laughs> I mean, I'm here, I'm here for it. I'll watch it for sure. I've always wanted, to, I mean, they're making a Candyland movie too. Oh, uh, oh yeah. Wasn't that a Harvard movie though? Like if you go down the ladders, you get like sliced up or did, or 
it was that there, I think there might have been something like yeah, something like that. But I think that they should make an entire like board game horror movie. <laughs> That, uh, I'm here for that. Well, yeah. the well, y'all, the Food Network is releasing Candyland, a show based on the children's board game that will be hosted by Kristen Chenoweth. Uh, it's a six-episode series, and it's going to hit the television November 15th on Sundays. In the show, five groups of cake and sugar artists will take on the challenge of going through Candyland with obstacles reminiscent of the board game, like Gundrop Mountains, uh, Lollipop Woods, and Lemon and lime springs. Each area will co- correspond with different ingredients and flavors that the contestants will then use to make their creations. Oh, this okay. sounds like Willy Wonka meets um, what was that? Uh, Temple of Doom, uh, or, or not Temple of Doom? Uh, the Temple of uh, Gibraltar. What was that Nickelodeon show? Oh, the that. Uh... For it was it like Forbidden Temple? Forbidden, for, forbid, forbidden Temple, not for <laughs> the Temple of Gibraltar. <laughs> that yeah, was it was like Mark Summers was the host. Yeah, and yeah was like climb up the, yeah. the thing. Yeah, yeah. I, I just don't know what the name is. <laughs> But yes. Yeah, um, and there is $25,000 on the line for the grand prize winner. Listen, I I am also a self-taught uh, baker here. I used to bake custom cakes for a while, um, but I I am no professional baker here, but I would I would try my hand, you know, at Gundrop Mountain. <laughs> yeah, well, yeah, why not? I mean, <laughs> I mean, I... Would I mean I would love to go on a game show in general? That's something I haven't crossed off my bucket list yet. I mean I definitely want to go on a supermarket sweep. Oh my god, can we go together? I'm obsessed. I, I was a, do that with you. I was <laughs> yeah. obsessed with supermarket sweep before it hit Netflix because I don't pay for cable. Um, I pay for all the other things, and so I have one of those like digital antennas that mm. give me the that so. Uh, somehow afford me the buzzer network, which is a game show. So I was watching old episodes of Supermarket Sweep way before like the gays became um, obsessed with it on Netflix and whatnot. Um, I, I think you and I would be great. I would love to do that. I I just, and especially like growing up with Nickelodeon, they had that like show where you would go through Toys R Us and you'd have to grab everything. And I was like, I can do that. And then when I found about uh, found out about a supermarket sweep, I was like, I can definitely do that. So, oh wait, so that means you would want to run the supermarket? I I think so. Well, I think doesn't everybody? I mean, you get to no. wear a nice sweater <laughs> and you get to you know run through a supermarket. No, not the final shopping showdown, right? One okay. of you, one of you just gets to run. Uh, you know what? We'll flip a coin, but I would let you run. I would let you run the supermarket only because, of being the the chefster that you are, I think you you have an eye for the high priced items. Yeah, and I think like being a chef, like when you go, I, and I think a lot of cooks and chefs can relate when you go to like the pantry and you have to find, you know, a dry ingredient or you know something in the refrigerator really quickly. You know that it preps you for things like this. So, yeah. you know but, what you've you've won me over, and an our team team in your mouth. You, I'll let you run. Okay. <laughs> All right, done deal. Done and done. And with that, uh, I think that's a great way to end. News update. Yes, yes. How was that for you? Oh, yeah. 
Yeah, right. I loved it. I love that. (laughs) A a little news with your morning coffee. Why not? I'm tired Uh, of hearing about politics anyways. So yes, yes. Uh, I'd rather hear about uh, smash cakes with politics than the actual mess that the political system is right now. But moving right along, speaking of politics, um, I've noticed that a lot of your influence is Hungarian-based. And I find that really, really interesting because you don't really hear of a lot of um, Hungarian-based foods, except for, and I could be wrong about this, Velselka in the East Village is probably the only one. Are they? Yeah, so they're they're like Ukrainian-Polish, but they, it all melts together, yeah. Uh, well, you know, I, I'm not I'm not out here to offend. I'm just like I was <laughs> trying to think like, you know, New York City's like a melting pot of food. Like mm-hmm. I, I have Ethiopian food down the block, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, so like I can name an Ethiopian. Re- I was like, can I name any Hungarian restaurants? And I was like, is Velselka one? I guess not. <laughs> yeah. Well, it's definitely Eastern European. And I yeah. think there's a lot of like, like I said, it's definitely uh Eastern Europe is such a, you know, everybody has their own riff on, on certain things and it could be a very small little detail, but yeah. So where does this inspiration come from and why, and why the big Hungarian influence in your food? Yeah. So my grandmother, my father's mom is uh, Hungarian and so was his uh, father. So my grandparents. Um, And yeah, I just, I mean, growing up, I, you know, my grandmother always cooked these like big meals that with foods of which names I had very, a lot of trouble pronouncing, <laughs> um, like goulash and palachinta and um, just sounds like you have peanut butter stuck on the roof of your mouth. Um, and I never really paid much attention to it. I, I just took it for granted. And as I got older and more into cooking, I, you know, I guess I was trying to find my shtick, you know, as, as I guess some chefs do. Um, and I, and I just seem to have been really intrigued by this like Eastern European Hungarian thing, because, um, I think it was, it's a really beautiful cuisine when you peel back all the layers. Um, and it, it's like, you know, based on tradition, it's, and, and, and it has like that grandmother's touch to it, which you could say that about a lot of other cuisines, um, but it really comes through here. And, you know, my grandmother would always like plate things on these floral china. And when I went to Hungary, that's like a thing. They love floral china. Um, <laughs> and there's just a lot of like, you know, stone fruit involved and their pastries are really extraordinary. And there's just something really special and beautiful about it that, that I, that I really took to. So, um, yeah, I, uh, I think that's why I'm influenced in a, in a very broad statement. Um, yeah. Yeah. Uh, that's really, really beautiful. And I love the, I love, I am a man of tradition. Let's put it that way. Yours or mine. <laughs> you know what I mean? And so, um, like, I am not Mexican, I am Puerto Rican, but I have this very old picture from the 20s of my grandmother up, and soon I'll put the marigold uh, garland up for Dia de los Muertos, right? Because I love that tradition, the, the tradition of the memory of, you know, saying you're not forgotten, you know, and your memory and your spirit lives on. And it's almost uh, now making that correlation of keeping uh 
the memory of your grandmother alive, whether she's, uh, I don't know if she's passed on or still alive, but still here, yeah. thank, uh, thank heavens. Yes. But, um, keeping, keeping her like present uh, in your memory and through food is really, really, really beautiful, you know? Yeah. Um, much like a, a while ago too, uh, New York, uh, or NPR, I think it was, used to have a food podcast that, and they'd, delve into these like really fun topics sometimes and they this one podcast was about these two women who only made challah bread in the traditional way and I became obsessed like at one point just making challah bread the way these women were making challah bread just because of the tradition of it all and burning a piece of the of the dough to bring it to the rabbi. Granted, I wasn't doing that, but you know, <laughs> but I, I, I didn't find a rabbi, but I was burning a piece of the dough. Right. So I love, I love that because there's something to be said about, about holding on to um, the, the important parts of our culture, what make us uniquely us. Yeah. And I, and it's also, I mean, both of my grandmothers, um, who I have a tremendous amount of respect for, um, they both have their own individual and unique stories. Um, and I, I really do cherish those and I want to carry those on. I mean, I love, I love old books. I love old, especially old cookbooks. I, I love, um, you know, the, the handwritten recipes and I think a lot of people do, but I really, um, I, I, I cherish those and I want to kind of incorporate this kind of this like grandma-esque vibe into my cooking. Um, and I think that's important. Yes. Um, so important that you've started a Kickstarter, right? Uh, way, way to put me right in the lane for this segue. But um, that you started a Kickstarter for your new venture called Aggies. Yeah. Um, tell the kids about it. Yeah, so Aggies is a cafe and bakery that I'm bringing to to Brooklyn next year, and it is a um, it's market driven, so utilizing the farmers market a lot, uh, and it's inspired by my Jewish and Eastern European roots. Yeah, that's that's really amazing, and what a feat! Um, much like friend to us both now, right? Because he's my new friend, but much like Edward Massey. Uh, opened Eddie's Grocer. If you haven't heard that episode, it's, I think, two episodes ago um, here on In Your Mouth. Like I said, all the gay celebrities. <laughs> I'm so <Wow>. stupid. Um, <laughs> and, um, but it's quite a feat to try to open uh, or be opening a, a new establishment uh, during these times, during a pandemic. Uh, why now? Yeah, I think, well, first of all, I love Eddie um, and I love his story. And I think what he did with the, the grocery and how it transferred from, you know, this Polish uh, spot to this Lebanese, I think that it's just such a great. Uh, such a beautiful story. I was so excited yeah. to have him on. And, you know, I think we're, you know, there should be more, uh, more examples, more stories like that. Um, so, but yeah, opening up a, a restaurant or even a grocery store in the middle of a pandemic. Yeah, that's, it's pretty crazy. Um, I think though, I think that it's an, it's important to do this now. Um, and maybe not right now since winter is upon us, but we, we're going to have to rebuild the restaurant industry and, you know, 
folks that say restaurants are dead, the industry's over, you're crazy. I'm sorry, but you are. I mean, restaurants are always going to exist, um, even when robots take over. <laughs> and, you know, even if it takes a year, two years, three years to get back on track, there's going to be new, you know, chefs, entrepreneurs, new restaurants at the end of that road. And that has to start somewhere. That rebuilding has to start somewhere. So um, I think doing it now is, um, it's hopeful. It's, and it brings some positive light to the industry. Um, But not to take away from the restaurants that continue to struggle um, and are, you know, doing everything to push through. So, um, so it's a weird, it's doing it now. It's a weird, tricky balance for sure. Yeah, um, and congrats to you. It's I I can't even imagine um, trying to do what you're doing right now uh, during this time. It's hard. It's hard enough recording a podcast. Forget <laughs> opening up a full establishment, and I really, really can't wait um, till it happens for you, so I can go and celebrate. So we can have, and I'm dying to taste your food because I've seen all the photos and I've seen the menus. I've seen it all. Um, Speaking of restaurants, I want to take a quick sidebar uh, because you just reminded me of something um, that I just recently went to a Hawaiian restaurant in the East Village called Narita. And they are, it was so delicious. And they're, they're this tiny place. It's very unassuming. Um, if you live in New York City or if you happen to be coming for business or something after you're quarantined or whatnot, please go support them because um, the owner and the wait staff were very, very good to me and a friend the other day. And I just feel very um, honored and obliged and just to like shout them out uh, just for a quick moment because... Yeah. Because we all need a little help. So go support them. They're on like 7th, East 7th and 1st mm-hmm. or between 7th and 8th. And it was so delicious. Oh, my God. So. <laughs> but anyways, um, it's but it's places like that, like like I just mentioned, or places like you that like keep people coming back. Like I would go back to once again, Norita in a heartbeat because it was so delicious. And um much like what you're about to do, I think is going to be really, really amazing. So congratulations on this new venture. Um, And I can't wait. Um, Before we close out, you're giving me a very beautiful, like, is that wallpaper behind you, folks? uh, Folks of the podcast world, it's giving me this very like teal and floral uh, background here. Yeah, I floral is my mo. Um, this was my uh, my quarantine project. So actually, my my boyfriend and I bless him. He has more patience than I do. But uh, we decided to wallpaper this office. So. <laughs> Uh, I, I'm obsessed. I'm obsessed. And in the tradition of all those uh, floral uh, plates from Budapest or <laughs> right yes. that you were just talking about. <laughs> Same thing. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I love that. Well, thank you so much for giving me your time. This has been such a great episode and it's been so wonderful getting to know you and, you know, welcoming you into my um, corral of you know, LGBTQ food people, my my housewives of the food world, the gay food world, <laughs> as yeah. I call it. You know, it's been great. Tell the kids where they can find you, how they can donate to the Kickstarter, because there's some really fun little kickbacks from the Kickstarter. 
Yeah, so um, the Kickstarter, uh, you can find the link on my Instagram page or the uh, at Aggies Cafe uh, Instagram page. Um, or if you go to Kickstarter, type in Aggies. And we that have- is A G I S Cafe. Yes. yes, thank you. Um, and it is, I think as of today, we're 14 days away um, from fully funding. Uh, we're looking to raise $65,000 and we're about 40% there. So we need all the help and the love and support um, and anything, anything helps. So Yes. And for those of you out there that don't know, um, Kickstarter is not GoFundMe. GoFundMe will give you the money no matter what. Kickstarter, yeah. I, I still think if you don't make your goal, you don't get the money, right? Yes. It is an all or nothing uh, platform. Yeah, yeah. So we need to help help our community, support our community, support especially like gay entrepreneurs that are trying to do really good things within our community. So go out there, definitely go to that Kickstarter. Um, you can also find Jeremy, like I said at the beginning of the pod, on Instagram where? At Jeremy Cooks. <laughs> at Jeremy Cooks. Uh, you also can find out about him on his website, on his website, Jeremy Solomon. That's S A L A M O N dot com. Oh my God. This has been great. Thank you so much for giving me uh, time out of your very, very busy schedule. Oh my gosh. Thank you so much for having me. And I'm so glad that something like this exists for our community and just for the world in general. You put out a lot of really good energy and good vibes and uh, we need more of that. So, so thank you. Listen, we're here to celebrate each other, lift each other up. It takes a village, right? I can't, I can't deal with these queens that are here to just tear you down or push you aside so they can get ahead. That's never been my MO and it never will be my MO. So um, anything I could do for you or anybody out there, you, you'll let me know. And if it's possible, maybe. <laughs> As people start to slide in my DMs with like the most crazy requests. Yeah. <laughs> anything is that <laughs> uh, well you know uh we always say slide into the dms and it hasn't happened yet but it's it's a share and share alike situation jeremy yeah. <laughs> anywho uh much thanks to jeremy solomon again this has been such a great episode out there halloween is right around the corner um so if you're getting dressed up Please stay safe and like wear an extra mask or something. Don't be crazy and go to some like crazy house party and get yourself stuck and get yourself sick or something. We don't need that because um, we certainly don't need to be stuck in the house all winter like we were all summer, folks. Like I'm sure if you're like me, you're ready to, you know, be doing more than exercising from home and making 40 meals a week or something <laughs> about that. Um, other than that, stay safe out there. Have a great weekend. And thank you for listening to In Yo Mouth.